us, for your love for us. Praise you for sending your son to die on a cross for us. Lord, we thank you for, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Lord, while we have breath, Lord, while we have breath, help us to praise you. Lord, we can always praise you, no matter what's going on, no matter where we are. Lord, we can praise you for who you are and what you're doing. Lord, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament. Um, the Old Testament, a man by the name of Isaac he had two sons. They were twins. And these two sons grew up, and we're going to pick up the, the story um, as these sons are older. Um, in Genesis, the 25th chapter, we're going to begin at the 24th verse. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there was two twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. And they called his name Esau. And afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when he bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So we have this story. These two boys grew up together. They were different. You know, the one that says he was a hunter. He was probably a man's man, it sounded like. You know, he was out getting game. And his father loved him because of that. And then it says uh, the other one, uh, Jacob, he was a mild-mannered man. It says he lived in tents. And his mother liked him. So you kind of see a little bit of maybe there was some conflict in the family. I'm not sure. But, you know, it sounds like one favored one over the other. But, But that's really not important for this part of the story. It's just, you know, there's these two sons, and they were they were different. And then the one that was the hunter, it says he uh, went out and he hunted. And he was out hunting, and he came back, and it said he was really tired. He was tired and hungry. Tired and hungry. I don't know if you've ever been there, if you know, if you've been out walking a lot or hunting or working. You know, working, a lot of things can apply to this. You know, maybe you're working all day and you're hungry. You know, he was hungry. So he wanted something to eat. Now, Jacob, I always thought Jacob was kind of a smart, wise little guy. But he was like, oh, okay. And he's cooked some stew. So he says to his brother, he says, well, yeah, you can have some. And then his brother says, Here, here's something interesting, I think. He says, well, I need some right now because he says, I, I'm about ready to die. Now, first he was worried. He says, you ever hear kids say that? If I don't get some eat, I'm going to die. Has anybody seen him die lately? You know, they, you know, you know, I think I think Esau, I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't hungry, but you know, I think now he's starting to exaggerate his condition. Oh, I'm if I don't get something to eat, I'm gonna die. And so Jacob says, Okay, you know, I'll fix you something. You can have some. But I'll tell you what, let's make a deal. How about if you give me your birthright? 
Now, the birthright was that which went to the firstborn. You know, they, they received special privileges. And so Esau, on the, on the moment's notice, because he's hungry and thinks he's going to die, says, well, okay, I'll sell you my birth. You can have my birthright because, boy, I'm hungry. Gave up his birthright for a moment's pleasure. A moment's just making him feel better. Thinking he's going to die. And so he sells his birthright. Sells his birthright. Sells his rights to his position in the family. His inheritance. Think about that. You know, for a moment's pot of stew. Now, I don't know. We've been at Costco and, you know, they hand out samples. This says a, a bowl of lentils. When they hand out lentils, I walk by them. I thought about that. I thought lentils. Oh, I don't even. I don't. I don't. No, I don't want that. I'll. Ta- I don't pass. I'll. I'll take all the candy samples and all the, all the ice cream and the chicken. But lentils, man, eh, that doesn't entice me. But you know, that's what they ate back then. But when I read that, I thought lentils. Oh, that's that stuff they hand out at Costco. But you know, but he sold his birthright just for a moment's pleasure. A moment's pleasure. You know, and we would look at that and say, well, that's just foolish. Why would, why would anybody do that? Why, why would anybody do that? That's just a dumb choice. A dumb choice. Why would anybody do that? So, consequently, I want to think about what's our birthright. What's ours? What's our birthright? Do we have a birthright? Do we have, do we have something that belongs to us? Well, I believe we do. In 1 John the third chapter, the first two verses, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We are the children of God. We are the children of God. A birthright, an inheritance, a position. You know, it's, it's a place. It's, it, we're the children of God. We're the children of God. Well, that's pretty special. That's pretty special. You know, how special? How special do we treat it? How special is it to us? You know, are we, are we a little bit like Esau sometimes? You know, we are children of God. We are children of God as we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we become part of his family. We become children of God. But it is God's desire that all men should be saved. I want to look at 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Desires all men to be saved. God's desire is for all men to become children of God. So if we are children of God, we have a birthright. If we're not children of God, it is still God's desire for us to have that. And I think choices can either cause us not to have it or to lose it. Or to lose it. You know, we can we can have a birthright and then maybe be willing to sell it, be willing to sell it. You know, what do we do with our birthright? 
What do we do with it? What's, what's our desire? Do we even think about the privilege we have, the position we have, who we are in God? I turn to Mark, the fourth chapter. Mark, the fourth chapter, the 18th verse. Now, it's talking about seed to sown. Let me back up a little bit. You know, different seeds are sown. And it talks about different seeds. And some grow and take off and grow good. And then some don't grow so good. They take off for a little bit. And I want to read about one of these seeds. It says, these are the ones that are sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The cares of this world. I believe that says that there are people who hear the word of God, maybe respond to it, it grows, but the cares of the world come in and choke it off. Choke it out. They sell their birthright. They sell their birthright. They sell what is theirs for other things. What do we desire? Moments of pleasure? A little bit of pleasure? Something that makes me feel good right now? You know, I got to have it. I got to have it. You know, anytime you say you got to have it, you probably don't have to have it. You know, but I got to have it. You know, young people tend to do it, but, you know, as we get older, we do the same thing. We just hide it with different words. Okay? You know, I got to have it. I got to have it. And that's what people, when they try to sell you something, what do they try to want you to believe? You got to have it. Don't leave without this. You got to have it. You know? A moment's pleasure. Something that makes me feel good. Something that takes away my discomfort. I just, I just have to have this. So how do we guard against this? How do we guard against the cares of the world and giving in to that and stealing our birthright? You know, is it possible? I think some people believe that you can walk in one foot in the world and one foot following God. You know, we'll kind of just, we'll kind of just try to do this, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know? I'll walk in the world, but I won't let it get to me. Well, I think it probably already has. That's just my guess. Probably already has. That really, Jesus said, you either love me or you're going to love the world. You're either going to serve me or you're going to serve the world. You can't serve one or the other. So, so I think we have to realize the importance of this and how do, we, how do we guard against this? Well, I think we have to be careful so that we don't disregard God's word. How do, you, how do you hold up God's word in your, in your eyes? How important is it? How important is it what God says? What God says. We Bible study last Sunday night, we read in the Old Testament one time when the children of Israel had really went down a bad path. and It didn't happen quite like this, but somebody dug up an old Bible and they started reading it. They hadn't read it for a while. And all of a sudden they go, oh my, we're not doing what we're supposed to. We're not, you know, we're not following the way God wants us to now. You know, they had disregarded the word of God. I think we can disregard it by not reading it, you know, out of sight, out of mind. If you don't read it, you don't know. So if you don't know, you don't have to worry about doing it. I believe ignorance is no excuse. You know, that we can't say to God, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know you didn't want me to do that. He said, well, I put it in my word. I told you. 
You know, but we sometimes can disregard his word, his plan for our life, disregard his commandments to think, well, he really didn't mean that. Or, well, things change. You know, now things are changing. You know, we're now past all that. We're, we're smarter than that. You know, things are different now. We can, you do things a little different. We start to disregard the word of God. We start to seek worldly pleasure. The things of this world start to become too important to us. You know, one of the things I think is interesting, there's a song we sing, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, in the light of him, things of this world will grow strangely dim. But if we don't regard him, things of this world will become very important to us. Worldly pleasure, fame, you know, having people recognize us or know us or getting a position, having to be accepted by others. You'll disregard your birthright to be accepted by other people. Thinking, well, I want to do what everybody wants me to do. I want to do what other people expect of me. I want to do, I want to be like them. I don't want them to think I'm different. If you are a follower of Christ, you are already different. You're different. People will not always like you. People will not always accept you. They will make fun of you. They will make fun of you for the decisions and the the choices you make. But if that bothers us and we start to want to be accepted by people, then we're going to start to sell our birthright. We're going to start to sell what's rightfully ours. Sometimes fortune can get in the way. Seeking fortune. Now let me say this. I don't think there's anything wrong with fame. You know, there are some pretty famous people that are Christians. Thank goodness. And they, they express their faith. They have positions to express their faith. I think that's very godly. I think there's people that made a lot of money that are Christians. I think that's okay. But if that's your desire, and the problem is if that's your desire, you're going to compromise to do it. You're going to start to compromise to get it. And those worldly pleasures will start to get you down a bad path. I believe God blesses, but I don't think that we should have a desire to have all those blessings, if that makes any sense. You know, I think he blesses, but sometimes our desires can get us in a bad place because we're starting to compromise to get it because the desire is so strong. The desire is so strong, I got to have it. Or we start to treat people wrong to get more wealth. You know, it becomes, becomes a bad motive. Sometimes we seek just good feelings, you know. Everybody wants to feel good. You know, we all like feeling good. You know, I like feeling good. I like being happy. You know, but I think you can compromise just to feel good. I think you can start to make bad choices just to feel good. The reason is, the Bible says sin has pleasure for a season. Now, why? If sin didn't have pleasure, you wouldn't do it. 
If chocolate didn't taste good, you wouldn't eat it. I'm not saying chocolate's sinful. But I'm saying that things of, that are sinful, they have a moment's pleasure to them. They have pleasure. If it didn't, you wouldn't go after it. You know, you wouldn't want to do it. So there's some pleasure there. But we have to be careful that it's not seeking the pleasure for a moment's feeling good. Because after a while, sin also has a punishment. And sin has bondage. And it'll start to bind you and hold you. And you'll be in a place you didn't really want to be because of a moment's seeking pleasure. You know, if you're older, we've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen people make those decisions. I believe one of the things where we sometimes can sell our birthright is wanting to make easy decisions. Or easy. We want the easy way. We want, we want the easy way. The easy path. You know, I know when I was a kid, this, I don't know if this relates to me, but I, I thought about, well, I'm going to share it anyway, but... Um, I thought, well, now that we're not very agricultural, a lot of people aren't even going to know what I'm talking about. But when I was a kid, and then when I sold feed, I talked to pig farmers a lot, okay? And they either, they, they raised the babies, okay? And they had the mamas and the papas, and they had babies. And that was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Back when I did it, it was a whole lot of work. It got easier. But back when I did it, it was a lot of shoveling, and there was, you had to get them bread. They had to have babies. You had to be there when they had them. You had to have heat on them. If you didn't have enough heat, if they was a little chilly, they would die. I hated going out and finding a, excuse me, a bit of pile of dead piglets. That was such a sickening feeling to me. It's like, oh, man. I didn't think she was going to have babies tonight. I didn't turn the light on or, you know, whatever. But, you know, so that was a lot of work. Okay. Then there was people who after the, they bought them, or they had them up, and then when the piglets got about this big, they sold them to somebody else, and they fed them out. Okay? And there were some that did both. The people that made the most money, usually the ones that did both. The people that had the babies made money. And the guy that just fed them out, he didn't make quite as much. Why? Because there's a lot more work to have the babies. That's a lot of work. And for some people, they just didn't want to do it. That's not a fault of anybody. But, you know, sometimes we didn't want to go through all the work. How many times do you see people that want the easy way? They don't want to go through all the work. They want an easy choice because they don't want to do the hard thing. You know, I, I just want an easy way out. You know, I think Mark, back here looking at Mark and Phil, you know, they milk cows. You know, you know how many times they milk them? Twice a day, every day. They milk cows. You know why some people don't milk cows? Because they don't want to get up and milk cows twice a day, every day. No matter what, cows got to be, you know, because they don't want to do it. Well, the same thing with our lives. You know, sometimes we make choices and we want to make the easy choice. We want to make the easy choice. In Matthew, the seventh chapter. Matthew, the seventh chapter. The 13th verse. Jesus says this. Enter by the narrow gate, narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Jesus says there's a big old wide path. 
He said, it's broad. You can do whatever you want. You can do your own choices. You can go any way you want. I don't care how you do anything. There's this big old wide path leads to destruction. And then he says there's this narrow, difficult path. I always think about a path that goes up the side of a mountain. A narrow, difficult path. You've got to be so careful because if you fall off, you know, and it's a hard path. It's not an easy path. And a lot of people, they'll make their choices in life based on the easy path. I don't want to go against the grain. I don't want to go against my friends. I don't want to make choices where people don't like me. I don't want to make choices where people think I'm funny. People think I'm different. I don't want to, I want to go down the broad path. You know, every, man, it seems like everybody's going that way. Seems like it's not, you know, it's, it's all kinds of people on that path. You know, we want to make the easy decision. The easy decision. Instead of sometimes the hard decision. You know, I think sometimes we led people to believe you become a Christian, everything gets easy. I think we've made a big mistake in telling people that. Oh, become a Christian. It all gets so good. God, you know, it's just good. Now, I'm not saying it's not good, but I want to tell you that's a wrong perception in people's minds because when you tell me that, I think if I become a Christian, everything's going to get easy and life's going to be easy and I'm going to get everything I want. You know, that's how I see that. You know, and Jesus says, no, he says the difficult path. He says, actually, he says, People don't like you on that path because they didn't like me and they crucified me. And so why do you think they won't do that to you? So it's not an easy path. It's not, but, you know, we make decisions. We're willing to sell our birthright, our position in God's kingdom to take an easy road. To take an easy road. So we have to be willing to make the hard decision. And we don't make decisions just for immediate gratification. If you just think about how it affects me now, you're going to make a lot of wrong decisions. You've got to think about how does this affect me down the road. I remember Pastor Eric, you know, some things people say sticks with you, you know, and this is one thing he said that stuck with me amongst us. But he said, the decisions we make now will affect your lives five years from now. Think about it. So five years from now, when you're complaining about how things are, just remember back the decisions you made now, you know, because sometimes we make immediate decisions based upon how it's going to make me feel at the moment instead of planning for the future. Help your young people to make decisions for the future, not just for the immediate. Help them to think about the choices they have to make in the future, how it's going to affect their future. I realize they're thinking about the immediate, but, you know, as a parent, as an older person, you need to tell them, look, you need to think about the future. How's this going to affect you down the road? What difference is it going to make? And last of all, our decisions about our birthright are eternal. They're eternal decisions. You know, we make them now, and we make them sometimes based on all the wrong things. But they're eternal decisions because there's a heaven and there's a hell. There's eternity. Eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. You know, sell your birthright for this life and spend eternity in hell. 
Choices we need to make. Choices we will make. No choice is a choice. You know, well, I've, no choice is a choice. You can't get out of this one. You know, there is a judgment day, and it's all going to come to a point where, you, well, well, I didn't make a choice. Well, yes, you did. You know, you chose. We choose. We choose whether we're going to hang on to our birthright or we're going to sell it for a moment's pleasure. We need to accept Christ. We need to accept what he's done to get it, to have that birthright as our own. But then we need to be careful that we still make choices to follow him. We don't want to be like that seed that took off good for a little bit, then the cares of the world choked it out. That's probably the biggest danger for people in our society where we live, in our country, is the cares of the world choking out the choices we make. That's probably the thing we have to guard against the most. Because we have so many worldly things that come against us. And it's more and more all the time. Our young people are bombarded with it. They're being taught at a very young age. And they're taught to really make wrong choices. They're taught to make wrong choices. You know. But as parents, as grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts, uncles, wherever you have influence, we need to remind our young people that there are choices and there is an eternity. And choices affect eternity. It's not just what's it about now. You know, it's very practical in their lives in some ways and the choices they make, but it's also very practical from a spiritual aspect. That we need to be careful that the cares of the world. There's so much worldly influence around us. It's easy to be drawn away if we're not careful. We have to keep God's word in front of us to know what it is he wants us to do because the world's going down a big old wide path and they want everybody to go with them. Mary always says, how's come when the world goes out and sins, they want to take everybody with them? Hey, come on, let's go here, let's go there. Why is it when the world sins, they want everybody to go with them? Is that, she said, well, if you want to go sin, just go by yourself. No, they, hey, come on, let's, let's all go. Why? Because it feels like if everybody goes, we're probably all okay. And so as Christians, we've got to be careful that when somebody says, hey, come on, let's go. No. No. No, I don't do that. It's okay not to do what the world does. Not to be drawn away by worldly pleasures and desires and end up selling what's rightfully ours. What's rightfully ours. Because eternity is the big payoff. Eternity. You know, where will you spend eternity? You know, I, there's got to be a whole lot of people at some point are going to be so surprised. You know, I think it'd be a great surprise to think, oh my goodness, I didn't know it was about this. I didn't know it was about eternity. I just thought it was this life. Well, it's this life. You live it, you enjoy it, you're dead, you're gone. That's what a lot of people think. You know, but it's, it's about eternity. And where are we going to spend eternity? What will we do with our birthright, what's rightfully ours, our position in God's family? Let's all stand.
Heavenly Father, I just pray you'd help us, Lord, to see to see our position, Lord, that we're your children. If we're not your children, that you want us to be your children. But, Lord, we have choices along the way. Lord, help us to choose to follow you, to not sell our birthright for moments of pleasure, to sell our birthright for, for just being accepted by the world around us. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Lord, I pray that you just encourage everyone here, Lord, everyone, whether they know you or they don't know you, Lord, that they would see that it's your desire for them to be part of your family. And Lord, just help us to make that decision. And not just make that decision today, but we make that decision and we follow you the rest of our life. Lord, we follow you. We serve you. We're part of your family. Lord, just help us to be faithful to you. Lord, I just pray if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, if they they feel a need for someone to pray with them, they want to they have something that's burdening them, uh, something that's bothering them, Lord, that there would be the prayer team up front as we dismiss, Lord, to pray with them. Pray with them, whatever their need might be. Lord, we just thank you for that. Thank you for your presence with us, Lord, as we go forth. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you in all that we do and say. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.